case you haven't figured it out yet, you are listening to episode 10, season four, three and a half. Three minus the half. Of the Story Forward podcast. Plus the half, then it's four, which is actually our fourth season because we had half a season in there, so we double that up. Right. Bottom line, we're calling this season three. Yeah, season three. Uh, Story Forward, we are your hosts, Larry Rosen and Christian Wynn, sitting to my left here in our home studio. Back in the home studio. Back in the home studio. Apologies for any echoes you might be hearing. The home studio has a ceiling height of approximately 20 feet, maybe taller. You're in real estate. You'd say that. I I would say these are soaring ceilings. Soaring ceilings. All right. So we're sitting here beneath the soaring ceilings. Uh, Thankful for our little mic guards here that caught those S's that would have otherwise popped. Correct. and we're going to tell you about our episode today. We, this episode yeah. didn't fit into any neat little box. Well, when we were getting these together, there were a few stories that probably could have fit in the wild card category. Sure. We had sure. the non-ball sports, we sure. had, which was, you know, could be wild card. We also, we had, what was, there were a couple of the, the adult sports league ones. Adult sports leagues. You know, and generally for this entire season, which is coming to a close, uh, one more left, we avoided the, um, the sports you expected us to talk about. Pretty much. We got a lot of softball, softball, little baseball, little Michael Jordan. He's our repeat uh, yeah, guy. Yeah, Michael right Jordan now. showed up a few <laughs> times. Um, someone else told me a Michael Jordan story the other... Oh, it was uh, it was superfan Mike Medeiros told us a Michael Jordan story. Remember? He put that on the Facebook page. Oh, well, you know, I didn't see that one because I don't go there often enough. It was enough. cool, you know? Okay, and I, what did he I, say? I can't remember specifically, but it involved him being... His dad taking him to a game. Okay. And it might have been when Jordan was in college, and which would have made him, Mike would have been like 13, 14. Okay. Uh, and he saw Jordan, and Jordan sat down with him and talked to him for like- At North Carolina. It might, no, it probably Wait. was in California somewhere. Okay. Anyways, it involves Jordan taking his time and talking to a young kid for oh. a pretty long period of time. That's cool. I which mean, that honestly, was that one. flies in the face of a lot of what you would hear about Michael Jordan, you know? And even even when Grant Faulkner was on, his like Michael Jordan kind of was just like keeping apart. He was, yeah, he wasn't partying with the team so yeah, much. He yeah. was just hanging out in his like, in his like which I figured out what to call those sandals, by the way, the ones that don't have, they're not thongs. They're not real sandals. They're called slides. Slip sandals, I believe. Slides, they're called slides. I call it, well, I read this novel recently. And they call them slip sandals? Slip sandals, which I like better, the alliteration. So I he actually, was probably wearing his slip sandals when he came to the door to greet grandfather. I, I actually wear them. Oh, sorry. I do because I don't like the flip-flops with the thing between your toes. Oh. I'm not a fan of either. Okay. But so you, you don't know. have those socks that are all toe socks? Oh, I saw a guy wearing those the other day. <laughs> the toe shoes. Oh, those in public. Oh, when we were in you know who wears them? Our sound man, Dan Costello. Oh, Dan, Dan. You can see that. He plays Frisbee golf. Oh. Yeah. Um, I have them because, you know, the the indoor outdoor lifestyle sure. that we live. You need uh, your aqua socks at any I, moment. <laughs> yeah, well, because so. you can't track that into the house. So we actually have a little tray. Oh. That was recently purchased. It sits by the, one of the doors mm-hmm. and you throw the, you get to the door, you put on your slides or your slip sandals okay. or your flip flops and then you uh, head outside. Okay. And on the way in, you leave them outside or you leave them right in the tray. Right. So, okay. Uh, yeah. That's... And I just, I said, I don't like flip flops. I'm not going to wear them. And so uh, the wife 
the, came up with this idea. Okay, there we go. So. The slip sandals. I only wear them with the spa, you know, uh, <laughs> which I go to. Oh, you're talking about like the little, like the little no, tiny. Those, I'm talking about like those the Adidas ones. Like I am a 17 year old athlete in 19. Yeah, we wear them with socks, regular socks. Huge socks that come up to my knees. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I saw a commercial with Greg Oden, Odom um, wearing them Greg. recently. Tall Greg Oden, the the failed yeah, number the one pick. Yeah, the giant guy who just fell apart after. I mean, he did. Like, literally, like his body fell apart. It did. I just read a big story on him in the Ringer about how he's he's coaching now at um. He was on a <sighs> One Shining Moment parody commercial. Oh, good. He yeah, with money uh, there. Adam Morrison too was on. Oh, there. Yeah. oh, Adam Morrison. I know. I don't know why they got on him for crying. He's like he's well, twenty-one those... years old, and they lost. He put everything out there. I thought <laughs> it was true. really heartwarming. Like, oh, I'll I know. This down. Well, he had a few. I don't know. A... Those those Gonzaga guys do get their. I don't know. They look like criers oftentimes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know. I my... mean, like in a good way, like emotional guys. You know. Yeah. Emo yeah. kids. There was Adam Morrison showed up at a game a couple years ago, and he was wearing. He was super sunburned and wearing a tank top. Ooh. And his oh. hair like weird, and he just didn't look like a performer, professional, and a former number three pick. He was great. He, he was, was like great. the new Larry Bird. They said there for a while. Yeah, because he's a white guy who could shoot. Well, he had a, a similar type of little fadeaway yeah, from about twenty three feet. You he could was, hit. You know, he was, you know my issue with Gonzaga is I have one issue with Gonzaga. Uh, the Catholicism. No. Okay. Why them? Why them? Why I graduated from a college with a very similar profile. That's true. In at Santa Clara, in a more desirable part of the country, arguably than Spokane, Santa Clara. And now St. Mary's is good too. And they're in L.A. St. Mary's? No, they're in. They're actually no. clo- close Where to are us. They? They're oh, east they of are? San Francisco. Yeah, in oh. Moraga. So I don't understand now if USF is going to get good, all these teams in our league are going to get good and we are not good. I don't get it. USF, you have to go back to Will Chamberlain days, right? Uh, or was it no, no Bill Russell? Bill Russell. Bill yeah. Russell, okay. Bill, and back I, in the 70s and late 60s. And I think Casey Jones might have also gone to USF. That was, they sure. won the national championship at some point. In at the least 50s. The Gales? The Gales are St. Mary's. Oh, the Dons are getting it all USF. wrong. Dons. Okay. And then remember in the, in the 70s, one man... Um, Quentin Daly, oh, instant offense ruined. Okay. He, he he destroyed the program all by was himself. The whole did he take some money? What I happened? Some kind of weird recruiting some, violation uh, thing. Sexual assault. Thing oh, was going on, and they shut down the whole violence. thing. Cue instant offense takes on a new uh, meaning when you let uh, that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. So why Gonzaga is what you're saying? Why Gonzaga? How come they get to be great and we don't? I've... Is it because it's an easier school? Maybe. <laughs> Is it because they had the, the NIL? Uh, do you think they have that? What's there to do in Spokane, Washington? Watch Gonzaga. I mean, it's great. Yeah. I love that they're good. I think it's fantastic. But I just don't think Santa Clara should also be good. When well, I was in college. I guess Steve Nash is with you on that one. So. I think Steve would be with me. When I was in college, we didn't even think about Gonzaga. I don't remember going seeing Gonzaga That's play. True. I remember seeing St. Mary's and Pepperdine. John Stockton, maybe. Turned it around. I don't know. Uh, you know what? I guess I would have seen him play in college. They weren't that good then. I don't think. Were they, they weren't good. We never thought he... about him. It was us, St. Mary's, and Pepperdine. Yeah. Like he's all because he never the took the vaccines. And he brought to that to Did not take the vaccine. <laughs> oh, he's very anti. You know, a lot of uh, college players have died because they've taken the vaccine, according to oh, John Stockton. No. I've seen that, Johnny, that thing going on with like, you know, the guy. You know, the heart. Yeah, just can't take even it. the guy. Remember the guy, uh, the kid who got hit playing for Buffalo? 
Oh yeah, that was clearly the next was day. Like, it was like you know like, he had on. got the vaccine the night so, before. Go, actually, yeah, go, <laughs> so. yeah, go back to your crypt, you ghouls. All right, let's talk about uh, what we got in store for you then on this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Now that we've discussed at length Gonzaga, we have uh, we have two readers. Um, because the third got lost in a, a myriad of technical difficulties. I, I don't like the word myriad. Got lost in an avalanche of technical difficulties. <laughs> avalanche difficulty. got in a, like, I don't know. Sorry, Greg like Gonzaga Hahn. three-point yeah. avalanche of some yeah. sort. I don't know. Avalanche. Uh, we right. do have one Greg H. for you, Greg Heinzman, who is going to talk about his experience as a three-sport high school athlete. I hesitate mm-hmm. to say star, though some of the... Um, we call him a star. He held some records. Yeah, he still yeah. holds some records. Some of the, I don't know. Uh, some of the numbers he threw at us, he which he remembered. He's been, he has 20, them like carved on his wall years, right yeah. now at home. Uh, I think he was a star. Mm-hmm. He's going to talk about that. And then Kerry Seymour is going to talk about the Kentucky Derby. Kentucky Derby. Yeah. Uh, we're going to start with Greg. Mr. Greg Heinzman, yes, a uh, friend of the podcast uh, and also just a friend in our in our lives. Sure. So, Greg? Take it away. Okay, we have my good friend and uh, longtime friend now, um, Mr. Greg Heinzman, who is going to be like, delivering a story all about, I don't know, his life in sports. I, I don't know exactly how to categorize it, but it's in the wild card episodes. So yeah, you, it you can, can be call it high, high school sports. High school oh, adventures. High school I know. And we haven't, had, we haven't had any of that, really. I mean, we've had. But even though we've all experienced that. Uh, yes, we have. The three of us in this room right now in the home studio. But I combined like eight varsity letters. Come on, man. <laughs> you did. It was all about so, getting those little pins. I That's know. Right. It's all about the jacket for me. Yeah, oh, I love the jacket. Oh, Ours had the, the big. It, we still were the fighting the Irish. Oh, I still have the jacket. It had the big like because he went to a Notre Catholic Dame ripoff. So it was a Catholic high school. Yeah. where was it? In Walla Walla, Washington. Oh, it's called yeah. DeSales. Oh, DeSales. The DeSales. That sounds fancy. And also, I know we've talked about you know your high school experiences and just experiences around sports over the years. As as you now in front of us. Despite Larry Rosen's objection, mm, or wearing to the Seahawks sweatshirt as a ver- as a Seahawks sweatshirt that Mister Heinzman's wearing, but uh, yeah, I mean Greg is a professor at BSU and also a great writer of short stories and a lover of literature across the board. Anything else you want us to know about you before you dive into your story? This takes these take place in Walla Walla. These take place in Walla Walla, and it's kind of like a senior year, so it'll transition from football to basketball to baseball. Nice. And it's sort of a story of the lowest of lows and then some redemption. And this is a pre vacation destination Walla Walla. Yeah, it had just started to kind of become um, wine country at that point. They were okay. they had a strategic plan in place. That's funny. When I left, and then by the time I got back after college, You're like, it was happened? full force. And Greg did go to Seattle one. U also oh, at the same time. I have a degree from yeah. there that I <laughs> don't use. Yeah. Uh, before we get started, Greg, I just want you to know this is a safe space. It's okay for you to feel good <laughs> about making fun of Russ now. Oh yeah, I don't indeed. Know. <laughs> if you want to high step a little bit, let's ride. Yeah, <laughs> this is Russell Wilson, the the quarterback yeah, for the 
Denver Broncos. Mm -hmm. An entire city can now admit he's a weirdo. Yeah, Johnny Evison did. Yep. All right, that's enough of us. So that's not about sports. More sports, please. Greg's here to tell a story. More sports. <clears throat> Let's let him. All right. So my senior year of high school sports started off with some hope as the football season opened. The previous year, we'd reached the state semifinals and lost by six. I had my best game of the year. Five catches, 125 yards, two touchdowns in a semifinal game against um, Reardon High School, which, literary note, was the high school that Sherman Alexi went to, although we never played against each other about 10 years apart. And he didn't play football. He played basketball. So what I remember most about that senior season was a series of small disappointments, um, and one of them was getting hurt. I landed on a guy with his cleats in the air, and they dug deep into my hip, and I had to sit out for a game. I remember watching my classmate, Willie Crazy Legs Kleinfelter, play my <laughs> position, slot receiver, and have a heck of a game. I started to realize I was somewhat replaceable, and that bothered me. It was a school's identity to be good at sports, led in football most years, and baseball by legendary coach Kim Cox, now a high school Hall of Fame coach in Washington State. And yeah, a coach named Kim, like a boy named Sue, he also had a chip on his shoulder, a deep drive to compete and a commitment to school, the programs, the players that was hard to find. He was tough, ornery and outspoken, and he demanded excellence. If anything, that fall, I learned some toughness. It was the first losing football team I'd been on, and I could see some differences between good and great. I was good, but I didn't have the drive to be great. Not enough time in the weight room, not enough voluntary seven on seven, we went three and five or four and five, something on the lower end of mediocre. So football passed and it was on to basketball. It was the first time in a while we'd get a full set of practices ahead of the season um, without football playoffs interrupting. I had played some varsity as a sophomore, started a few games as a junior and was excited about senior year. I was told by my coach I'd be the sixth man. And if I worked on defense and ball handling, I'd be in the starting lineup by midseason. So I worked my butt off. I ran every set of lines to beat everyone. I guarded our quickest guard to stretch my defensive footwork, stayed after practice 20 to 30 minutes to do ball handling drills that I'd learned at Gonzaga's John Stockton basketball camp. I even got permission from the girls' basketball coach to use the far end of the gym during their practices after the boys were done. And still, I rode the pine like every other player on the team who wasn't a starter. It was like coach forgot that we had another five guys on the bench who could actually play. The starters would tell us after the games how exhausted they were um, after not having breaks. The assistant coach confided in us that he didn't understand why more of us didn't get more playing time and the losses mounted and it started to become laughable. For a homecoming pep rally, the coach announced our star player as Jason Beasley, the best player in Southeastern Washington Conference, when everyone knew the best player was Will Hutchins on nearby rival Dayton. Don't get me wrong, Jason was a heck of a ball player, definitely the best shooter in the league and one of the best in the state, but he didn't dunk in games like Hutchins did against us. So it was the little things over the course of that season that weighed on us. The time I was playing tough D in practice and Beasley intentionally elbowed me in the mouth and coach didn't come to check on me as I dripped blood all the way to the locker room. No one came to check. I just stopped the bleeding and came back with a fat lip. 
and it was the lack of playing time after working really hard to improve the skills coach asked me to improve that started to take its toll. My confidence was down. Our confidence was down. Like the time my buddy Dave hit three consecutive three-pointers three in a short period of the first half that never saw the court in the second half. Game after game, we lost by a handful of points, never able to finish because the starters were too tired. We had to do a matchup with McLaughlin High School, a.k.a. Mack High, a nearby rival across the border in Oregon. A bunch of us played baseball in the summers with them for the Milton Freewater Twins. It was an intense but mostly friendly rivalry. We were 0-9 heading into that game, and Mackay had a squad that eventually went deep into the state playoffs. We played them tough, lost by about five or six points, and had a chance to win. And in the newspaper the next day, the coach said, I don't understand it. I don't understand how they haven't won. That's the best 0-10 team I've ever seen. The best 0-10 team ever. <laughs> yeah, we'll take that. It fits. It means someone can look at us and say we might be good but our coach couldn't figure it out. But it felt scrappy, like we had some sort of unrealized potential just waiting to be unlocked. This attitude developed into an underdog mentality and we worked hard in practice and had a not giving a shit attitude about it. Play or not play, whatever, we're still gonna work at it. We developed a bench culture because, hey, we might as well have fun while we're, getting, while we're not getting to play and not improving our self-esteem. So we became the bench dogs, and it became fun to confuse our coach with all the barking during games, the whole subversive culture happening right under his nose. Maybe he knew, maybe he didn't, he never acknowledged it. Maybe that's why playing time got even more sparse. No one really knows what the hell happened that year. We finished two and 18, likely the worst record for our high school ever. We beat the worst team in the league and we beat the second best team in the league with nine or 10 losses by five points. The highlight of our season, likely our senior night, was watching Henry Carson, a self-deprecatingly not good ball player, bank in two free throws in garbage time, <laughs> probably his only two points of the year. Hank was the smartest and funniest guy in the school, the inventor and perpetuator of the bench dogs moniker, the guy who would ask our biology class if we wanted to take a day off and then proceed to rile up our pro-life teacher with cogent arguments for abortion rights for the full hour. <laughs> the guy who would host a fake game show in the suburban on the way to games, have us rolling, and a proud new adopter of the nickname Boonk Swish to mimic the sound of those free throws going in. After those shots went in, the crowd went absolutely nuts and the bench dogs howled. Our coach did not look pleased, angry even. And we could get more joy out of boom, swish than anything else that season. <laughs> the whole season made no sense. The same coach had led solid teams in the past, winning teams. This one just didn't figure it out. A few weeks after the last loss of the season, enter baseball. Re-enter Kim Cox. We had won three straight state championships by a combined record of 69 and four with an undefeated 23 and 0 in there between a couple two lost seasons. By most accounts, the talent had all graduated minus a couple of guys who were really good and a very talented, but supremely inexperienced freshman class, including my younger brother. Only three juniors and sophomores combined made it through the full season. So we had a team dominated by seniors and freshmen. This was the year the streak was supposed to end. This was the year of no state championship, only hope for the future. 
Case in point, my junior year, I was starting second baseman. My senior year, my little brother was. Ooh. And I ended up platooning at third base with another freshman, a guy named Alan, who we called Stanley. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a nice detail. Mm -hmm. I was having a rough year. My overall confidence had waned, and my hitting dropped from 364 as a junior to 285 late in the year as a senior. Third base was a tough adjustment due to the reduced reaction time. The balls were coming pretty fast at the hot corner. Second base had a leisurely feel to it. Turning double plays was real one of the real joys of baseball. So, back to Kim Cox for a moment dedicated passionate motivating yes politically correct and pg rated hell no example over the course of the season we and our play were at least five different kinds of excrement bullshit chicken shit dog shit horse shit pronounced or chit <laughs> that's how he said it and even lowly rat shit. We were pussies and lazy ass ball players, yet somehow we truly felt he cared about our improvement and success. It was a delicate balance between Coach Cox happy and joking and genuinely funny to Coach Cox ridiculing the track team, becoming a man to be feared. The guy who taught P mainly so he could play against us and compete hard, remind us of his skills, relive some glory days. Our baseball program was known for its complex, intimidating, yet really fun pregame warm-up. It was constant motion, the choreography of pop flies, grounders, double plays, and throwouts all happening at once. Multiple balls in the air throughout the drill. Fielding, relays, cutoffs. A good pregame made us feel invincible. A poor pregame, the coach would be pissed. A dismal pregame, and he'd pull us off the field and ream us in the dugout. This time he was so pissed after multiple booted balls that he had to sit out, had to sit out behind the dugout, I suppose to not be agitated by looking at us in our ineptitude. Something you should know. He was generally incredibly pissed with our play and practice most of this season. It fit well with our overall senior year of underperformance. If you happen to be listening in and heard his critiques, you have absolutely no idea that we hadn't lost any games prior to that horrendous pregame. No idea that we were undefeated deep into the season. But we were. Somehow, we were. I can't remember everything about that season or a record at the time, but I know we hadn't lost and we were nearing playoff time. The shining moment of that day, Coach Cox telling us, we were the worst fucking undefeated team he'd ever coached. <laughs> there were a number of us basketball bench dogs on the team and our subversive nature ate that shit up. It was like he wanted us to lose so he could prove to us we were terrible. We laugh about it to this day and I imagine ultimately we made Coach Cox proud that year. We won the rest of our games. Every damn one. Finished 26-0. No doubt the best record and most wins in school history since technically only 25 games per season is allowed. We played a fully uniformed practice scrimmage against the Orofino Maniacs. <laughs> it was the fourth state championship in a row. My graduating class finished over our four years with a 95-4 record. Team went on to win three more state championships in a row, then lost one, then won seven more in a row for a run of 14 championships in 15 years. That final game was the redeeming moment of my senior year. I needed to go two, two for four in the state championship to hit exactly 300, and I did. I went to the game not even knowing if I'd get to play. 
When Coach told me I was starting, I thanked him, told him it meant a lot. He said, don't thank me. It's just the right matchup. <laughs> During pregame, some music was playing over the PA. I don't remember which song did it, but I felt what I can now describe as a moment of Zen, a moment of pure presence, of being in the zone, where movements are slow and processed at a subconscious level. It's connected to the moment, felt calm deep within me. I'd never been more relaxed on a ball field. And in that moment, I knew there was no way we could lose. Despite the imperfections of the senior year as a whole, this was the perfect end to the perfect season. And the bench dogs live on as the comic relief before an improbable but inevitable finale. I just want to talk about high school baseball forever now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> There's yeah. more stories. Yeah. I looked at you and I said, he's second baseman. Yeah. Yeah. You could tell your second baseman. Oh my gosh. All right. I'm going to let you mean. It's the weak arm, isn't it? No. Okay. No, just, I'm, I'm pretty good at that. I, I coached, so I, oh, okay. I recognize. Yeah. And you also played. I so played, yeah. mm -hmm. he was a pitcher. I was a pitcher. And also. Because I couldn't do anything else. Yeah. That's you always how it say works. that. And you're like, I, I can actually, actually do have hit. a more serious question, though. Um, yes. <clears throat> Three sports, three varsity sports, tons of pins, got the yeah. jacket, got the whole thing. <laughs> and varying degrees of success in all three sports. Yeah. How old were you when it dawned on you that, that, that it was over? Well, what do you mean? What, I, what you still, weren't... I still play beer league softball, so <laughs> I don't think it's over. Because well, I, I think about this a lot, cause, and especially more when I was coaching. Some other coach was like, you know, you understand for most of these kids, like 99% of them, this is it. They're not going to play organized sports after this. And yeah, you play beer leagues. I, I played old man baseball even, mm -hmm. but, but that's it. You'll never have that back again. And do people realize that? Do you wake up one day and go, God, I guess I'm never going to have baseball practice again or football practice. Yeah. I, I mean, I can think of a moment um, playing some intramural basketball uh, mm -hmm. in college when I was thinking I was still good enough at basketball that if I really tried hard, I could, I could play for Seattle U. Mm -hmm. And then I went out and played um, some pickup basketball against some of the soccer players and they absolutely destroyed me. Right. <laughs> and I realized, okay, this is what a college athlete is. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I am not that. There was just, so, there was some real nice nostalgia in that piece. Um, I have just un, unreasonable because I didn't play football. I have unreasonable respect for people who played and were good. So props to you, little slot receiver, crushing nice. it. Yeah, I was all, I was all right. I mean, it was a small school, so mm. yeah, but I, I got to play a lot. Like my junior year, there were games I didn't come off the field because I had to play offense and defense and kick return, and I returned punts. And That's great. Stuff like that. Yeah. What do you think? Like, I, I don't know. You you still are, but you know, you keep yourself in good shape and all that kind of stuff. And you're, yeah. You know, but I don't know how much. Like, I don't know. Basketball, you play over at BSU as a professor in the gym anymore. But you may do some of that. But I mean, how has sports, I suppose, just influenced like your your I don't guess your teaching, your writing, your life, or I don't know. Did it cross over, or is it just like that was a time now outside of like adult softball league? Um, mm -hmm. Then this is the time now for me. But without like that kind of like yeah, those kind of sports being that big in my life anymore. That was two questions there. I'm trying to figure out It was like five. It was at least two questions. I'm sorry. Yes. We're, we're at the end of a long broadcasting day. <clears throat> I guess the I question was, did your experience playing sports translate into your professional life? I, 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 need, I think a little bit. 
like like I mentioned in the story, um, that idea of what it means to try to achieve excellence. And oh. I think our baseball program, at least at that level, achieved excellence. What happened um, with the f- basketball coach? I don't understand this story. I don't understand it either. He just he hated the bench. I don't know. I don't know what happened. That's crazy. Like he was a pretty good coach, like most of the time. And then, and then it just like fell apart. I think it's because there were a bunch of us who were all about the same skill level, oh. which was kind of like a little bit above average, but not great, but we we're good enough. Um, and, and maybe he just couldn't decide who should come in next, <laughs> you know? And it's like, so the starter just played all the time. I mean, I played a bit, but a lot less than I thought I was going to play. Um, and, and none of us like stood out from the others mm-hmm. either. So You're that redundant maybe. Yeah. Like, like I mentioned early on, it was just kind of like, okay, I'm replaceable, you know? Right. And also, do you think that it ever like come across your mind that like, okay, this coach might've had some other issues going on outside of his yeah, coaching life? I thought about that too. Like now that I know what people are going through, I've gone through some stuff over the last couple of years in my own personal life and, and seeing how I've had to navigate like going to work and being there for my students and things like that while this turmoil is going on inside. Right. Um, you know, maybe he had something going on. Uh, maybe there was where he you just don't wasn't think about as that when you're just, he normally was. Yeah. yeah. Do you, so are you in the English department at BSU? No, I'm in this weird little Island called university foundations. I'm the last person left who doesn't really have a department. I was previously in the English department. Then I got hired full time by the general education curriculum. Mm. And, and then I've just kind of sat there ever since for about 10 years now. And mm. I teach ethics and diversity courses about refugee resettlement. Oh, okay. Yeah, and refugee sports—that's that's another interesting thing. That's a really interesting thing. Would be, huh? I mean, like there's some soccer teams and stuff around this this community that are made up of refugees. I think they call themselves Nations United, and there's at at different levels and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Ah, I know. I've done a little bit of writing about that a few years back, and I mean, what you do also in that realm, um, like sports, enter the classroom for you at all. That's a good question. Plus World Cup coming up. So you yeah, can World talk. Cup well, by the time up. this airs, it will have happened. Well, well maybe. I don't know. What is. Anyway, I don't know. World I think, Cup. I, think I know you and I have had some. World... Probably about four, three to four weeks, like mid mid November to mid December. So, so it will be, be over. over. But you and yeah. I have had some World Cup experiences um, just watching games, but also do sports enter the classroom for you? Not that much. I think the only sports that have entered my classroom is me trying to make bank shots with dead markers from across the room without hitting students. Yeah, I was going to ask if they entered the faculty lounge, and I'm sure the answer is no. I mean, there's well, a, oh, the faculty pickup just, game, too. You could yeah, I mean, we did oh, they do fac- there was a faculty pickup game for a while. And certain um, members didn't ball. super smell great. I know there's some like funny stories about oh. that. We won't get into. We will no, no. We will not name names. But Greg no, has a couple things. Won't. But I don't know. I have a sensitive uh, sense of smell. Oh, <laughs> and there happened to be somebody who had a, a little bit of a pungent odor, and um, I had to pretend like I was hurt. Um, <laughs> Were you playing man or zone? Man. Hmm. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> That's too bad. Yeah, I was, and and you know, I I typically play fairly close tough defense and it was really tough that time around 
Uh, I gotta say, <laughs> <laughs> I've been there to a degree, but not with that particular person. It's I'm not like playing. playing against a super sweaty guy. Ugh. And I don't know. It might have. I mean, maybe it's just a bad day or something. Um, Do you look at this person the same way now? <laughs> just <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, that's yeah. how it goes. I know. So I'll ask you, Larry, real quick, because we kind of get to wind this thing out. Um, how'd you know he was a second baseman? I can tell. I well, can just I tell. Like, I, <laughs> I, no, I don't know. Because of... when I was coaching, I could always tell. Like someone would be like, I'm playing several. No, you're not a center fielder. You're a shortstop. Get in there and play shortstop or vice versa. It's just from playing baseball for a long time and following baseball and yeah, that's that's a really interesting thing, right? You start to see what people can do, mm -hmm. and I didn't have a sense of that when I was younger, and so I didn't understand how my coaches made decisions about who would play where. Like, why did they decide that my brother was going to be a catcher after, after he, he played was, second after base? He played second base. Wow, he must have showed them something. And he turned into a really good catcher. I, he was also a linebacker in football and a tight end and the so your defensive parents, stopper. Your right? parents had no weekends free. No. And that's the thing that I'm <laughs> learning now. Like my son Stone wanted to play, basically played four sports this spring. Mm -hmm. And they all kind of overlapped. <laughs> so we had like six six days a week where there were sporting <clears throat> Greg and I keep trying to get fun. lunch or do something. And it's, like, it's no. difficult to <laughs> like sort of coordinate. Yeah. I'm on my way to Pocatello for a travel league game. I know. Yeah. So and far, we're lucky that it's it's all in Boise right now. That'll change. Yeah. Uh. Well. Any final thoughts, Mr. Rosen? Uh. Just to thank Greg for coming by. Yes. I'd love to talk high school baseball with you forever because I will talk about high school baseball forever. He will. Yeah, it's fun. I could talk about high yeah. school baseball for a while too. Even the yeah. my teams. There's. We had some coaches, some other coaches that I didn't mention who were some characters. We did too. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's yeah, funny thing to think about the other lives of coaches too. I like the backside of it and we haven't gotten that yet. So maybe we'll get an old guy who was a coach and just. That would be me. Oh, <laughs> we already have that. <laughs> yeah. My co-host Larry Rosen. But anyway, be me. well, Mr. Heinzman, thanks for coming by. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Greg Heinzman. That was wonderful. And now on to Carrie Seymour. Carrie Seymour. So we have Carrie Seymour, one of my very best friends and one of the best people in the in the world, actually. Wow. So yes, absolutely. And a great storyteller and a lover of sport. And uh, we have her here. She's a professor over at Boise State University. Fancy. And she's in uh, our awesome, well, our occasional, now occasional awesome group, the... Uh, a gamekeeper salon writers of the gamekeeper the the humans of the gamekeeper salon um and we uh, write stuff and talk about it all the time um but i will not say much more i'll just let carrie seymour tell us her story my story is called race day i grew up watching a lot of televised sports much to my father's dismay my mother loved them and for reasons still unclear to me given my father's demanding nature he never bothered her about it she watched everything from gymnastics to the Battle of the Network stars. And every four years when both the Winter and Summer Olympics were held, every sport imaginable occupied our household for those weeks. Her favorites, though, were baseball and horse racing. 
I have vivid memories of gathering to watch the annual Kentucky Derby held the first Saturday in May since 1875. I was nearly 11 the year that Secretariat blazed his way from Kentucky to Baltimore for the Preakness and on to the Belmont Stakes in New York, where his well-known and astounding route of the five-horse field by 31 lengths secured him the triple crown of racing. It was not only riveting to watch, but the records still stand. In my late teens, my friends and I could sometimes be found at Lebois Park, a small town racetrack located just off the Boise River. We would survey the paddocked horses ahead of each race until someone shouted, riders up, and then we'd wait along the rail or in the grandstands with thousands of other people, laughing, drinking beer, and placing bets based on what we'd seen in the paddock, or after a close study of the racing form, or because we liked the color of the silks the jockey wore, or the name of the horse. From early May to late August, races were run three days a week, with most fielding at least eight horses thoroughbreds for the distance races and quarter horses for the sprints. One time, on a particularly sweltering summer night, a boyfriend and I were drinking Boilermakers made with warm track beer and some cheap whiskey we'd snuck in and decided to bet $20 we couldn't afford on a trifecta box that paid out $2,700, making us feel like pros. In a completely unconnected way, my first real job was running the trackside cafe on the backside of that same track a few years later. Opening at 6 a.m. with cooks on site by 4.30, I learned the rhythm of the track from my morning spent there. Owners, trainers, and jockeys were the only folks allowed in, and the place was small enough to overhear conversations about the sprint times from that morning's early workouts, what horses to watch, and who would run in what race and what with what jockey the following day. I learned a lot about the backside and the idiosyncratic personalities thus associated. I learned what stewards did and how jockeys must manage their weight and how cocaine is a good way to do that. I learned that horses are expensive and worry-making at best and financially devastating at worst. And I saw more injuries to both jockeys and horses than I care to think about. Sometimes you'd hear a murmur from the grandstands and then the sound of the vet truck and trailer and then a gunshot. After one particularly gruesome injury that I witnessed, I never attended a race there again. I'm not sure when I started watching horse racing with my daughter. As a stern animal rights activist, it always seemed the most contradictory aspect of her personality. An avid horsewoman, I guess she admired the athleticism of the horse and the skill of its rider. She was also fascinated by Secretariat's famous record, and as a shy teenager, she made it to a state speech tournament for her impassioned rendering of his life and legacy. Even after watching the horrific incident at the end of the 2008 Kentucky Derby in which a beautiful silver mare named Eight Bells fractured both ankles on live television after coming in second to Big Brown and was immediately euthanized, Hannah still wanted to attend the big race. So in May of 2013, we loaded suitcases and fancy hat boxes and hopped a plane to Louisville. There were things that I expected like the luscious, most verdant grasses I'd ever seen in pasture after pasture along the back roads of Kentucky and the spires at Churchill Downs standing majestic and iconic. I expected the statues of famous horses and the profusions of stands selling expensive champagne and commemorative glasses filled with frosty mint juleps and the gift shops packed with treasures big and small. I expected the familiar smell of the paddock and the ornate trappings for the millions of dollars worth of horses that would be stabled there for a brief time. I did not expect to attend the Kentucky Oaks, 
held the Saturday prior to the Derby, and evidently the race the Kentuckians intend before they turn their beautiful complex over to the tourists. Our tickets were for both days, and though we were clearly not locals, we were dressed most elegantly. I didn't expect to be amused by the surprisingly long gauntlet of well-organized evangelical protesters with their fancy signs and megaphones who regaled the sinning attendees with a reminder that God will surely judge the drunken gamblers and that it was not too late to save our souls. I didn't expect to see how excited my adult daughter would be to get a picture of Secretariat autographed by Ron Turcotte, the jockey who had set that horse in all three of his historic Triple Crown races. I didn't expect that a busker would be singing Mr. Tambourine Man when my 95-pound daughter passed out in the ivy on the way out from dehydration and fatigue, or that his two dogs would circle protectively around her, growling at the folks who came to stare. I did not expect to ride in an ambulance to the emergency room and walk down a hallway lined with gurney after gurney, ready for tomorrow's onslaught of drunken disasters. I didn't count on having to wait for over four hours for a taxi back to Churchill Downs because everyone was going downtown to continue the party. Mostly, I didn't expect to attend the next day's derby. But around one o'clock that afternoon, Hannah woke from a fevered sleep to say, I didn't come all this way to miss it. And so we didn't, but rather we put on our second set of fancy dresses and hats and made our way back to the track, now muddy and wet from the morning rain, and watched what was left of the 14 race card with no further drama on our end. The favorite and tragically named Orb won the race, with my bet revolutionary coming in third. The cold and rainy skies wrapped a thick fog around the famous architecture, making it seem like a dreamscape. Given all of the hectic preparations, the unexpected complications, the vomitous bathrooms, the self-righteous protesters, and the exorbitant cost, I probably won't go back again but will likely end up on future Saturdays in May, sitting with one or more members of my family, watching horses roar out of the gate to try and file their name among the 147 champions who came before. Thank you. So the Kentucky Derby isn't sick and depraved. It's a little sick and a little deep. <laughs> <laughs> I know you probably could have gotten into all that, all the more of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's very complicated to think about, honestly. Do you have a sports bucket list? Um, I did, but I've, I've actually pretty much crossed. What was on it? Uh, the Derby was on it back mm -hmm. in the day. Um, I would actually, I would love to see a world series game, but I've seen mm. a lot of major league baseball because I'm completely addicted to How it. How many ballparks? Um, I think 13 at this point. Yeah. That's pretty good. And also many, many Boise Hawks games. Oh yeah. And, uh, many little league games, and, many college baseball games. Um, I saw Indian well, tennis in Indian Wells, which was pretty exciting. Saw tennis in Rome. That was pretty exciting. Mm. Have watched, um, like giant slot, giant slalom skiing. I love it all. I like to go see it all. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, the Boise Hawks general manager was on with Larry. We That's true. I did so. an interview with him. Oh, great! Last, uh, last at, at Tree Fort last time. Story Fort. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no. Carrie's very sports oriented, and baseball seems to be. I mean, horses and horse racing is a thing in your life, but I feel like baseball is is the sport. It's but, the most prominent one. But since I'd already done a podcast, I yeah. know <laughs> that was a great episode, folks. Why do you think baseball is so? has caught the ear of so many more literary types and poets than any other of the bigger sports. 
Oh, it's going to make it me pace? sound. Well, that's what I was going to. It's going to make me sound totally douchey. But um, <laughs> I th can you say douchey on podcast? No, our podcast. <laughs> this is a pretty salty podcast this season. <laughs> it is. Um, I I think it's because it's really an intellectual game. Mm -hmm. um, although now with the you know the National League not. No DH. Yeah. So, you know, they are only DHs. It's taken some of the strategy out of the game. Only DHs. But I think that um, the idea that, you know, you have to kind of sort out and strategize. Also, I do think it's the pace. It's like it's it's more analytical for me. And I mm -hmm. like to score the game, which is really its own math. And it's complicated. And you can't drink beer or do any other recreational things while you're scoring the game. I did have a couple questions for you, Miss Seymour, um, about... Just I don't know. You I've been to your place and you and know your daughter. I mean, know but met your daughter. I don't really know Hannah super well, but intensely animal like loving like everything is her and the natural world and animals in particular. So what do you what do you think? Like you brought it up in the essay, but what do you think? Why? Or how could she make the leap to like horse, horse racing, racing for you? I mean, because she admires the animals, like you said, or? Oh, well, I think she tragically kind of buys in pretty hardcore into family legacy, which, mm. you know, in some cases we should definitely just cut that line right where, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, my grandmother and my mother, they made a, a pilgrimage to the Kentucky Derby. And I feel like part of it was that, but she still watches the Derby every year. And I mean, we watched eight bells snap both of her ankles I remember that happened. and i never mm. watched so now when we watch i go in the kitchen until i know who won and that they didn't need to be put down but she can stand there and i mean she her dad comes over we no longer are together and it's a big family event so you know so many of these stories <clears throat> in either subtext or context have been about people's families mm -hmm. or about their parents you know mm -hmm. or or some using sports as some sort of connection to legacy like that. Yeah, I think that's really why, because honestly, she'll see a horse in a pasture and she can't see a shelter. And she's like, well, I guess they're just leaving that horse out there to just die in the elements. And I'm like, okay, Hannah, that might be a little extreme. <laughs> it's a horse. But when it comes to, oh, you don't say that. Oh, no, I just mean that's what horses do. <laughs> no, I know. And, um, but yeah, her horses are blanketed. Her horses, you know, have all of this and that. And how it is, it is, one of the most perplexing things to me, frankly. She sees rodeo as um, state-sanctioned animal torture, to use wow. her phrase exactly. Um, does a state sanction, I guess. <laughs> I think she's using state in I a big, just, yeah. like, sort of the like state communist of way. <laughs> um, but she, for some reason, because uh, I'll say, dude, are you sure, you know? And again, yeah. it, there's just things about the sport. That said, I mean, those horses, I, I would love to live the life those horses live. And honestly, that grass, I feel like I could just go eat it and be stronger. Like, <laughs> it is amazing. So honestly, I can't probably could. answer yeah. the <laughs> yeah. question at all. It is but perplexing. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's cool, um, and it's interesting too. Your daughter is small of stature, and I think was considering being a jockey Absolutely, for a while. You yeah. know, mm. did, how far did that go? Um, well, she she went and um, met a woman who offered to train her hmm. um, when Lebois was still up and running, and then she was told that she would have to use you know the crop parts and, and then, yeah. yeah. And she just was not okay with that. But she doesn't seem to mind every Kentucky Derby jockey doing it. <laughs> so again, it's a it's a paradox. Huh. Yeah. Well, very cool. Um, what else should we know about you? And you know, as personally, do you have anything? Yeah, you want to plug your 
Uh, oh my gosh, you can kind of cut this part out. Cut well, what's the exit name of your, your your space out there? Oh, oh Northbound Commons. Northbound Commons. So I just drew, drew a blank. Yeah. Well, tell us about Northbound Commons out there. It's just a little place where I'm trying to open up um, room for artists to come and. Um, it's on your property and it's a beautiful, beautiful space out in, I guess that would be slope. Sunny Slope. Is that Caldwell? Um, it's technically Caldwell. It's 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 the outer county. It's Canyon County at the edge of count, uh, Canyon and Owyhee counties. But it's a space for people to come and do their art and maybe pay back to the community a little bit and trying mm -hmm. to do some collaborations there. Christian, I think you're going to come and do a little residency. Mm -hmm. I, I am. Understand. When and, I return from the South. Yeah. Um, and also it's, it's, it's Idaho wine country out there, Larry. So you, yeah. <laughs> Larry's a wine guy. Excellent. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> why no? Is that what you said? No, no wine. Yes. No. He's a well, sophisticated wine cultural comment from, my, from Mr. Wynn over here. No, but I mean, yeah, it's a really beautiful space. And I, or you have like an Instagram presence for it. I or do. Northbound Commons on Instagram. You get to see some exciting stuff. And again, opportunity to help folks in need out there especially um, our Latinx neighbors who live in a food desert and have no transportation. Um, so I'm trying to get artists to help me collaborate in ways that fuel them and help our community. So reach out and help me do that, folks. Northbound Commons. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you, Carrie Seymour. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you both. It was a pleasure. Two great stories, uh, two sports participants That's and right. fans. Uh, wild card action there. And just for listeners, a little behind the scenes, see how the uh, sausage is made here. Mm -hmm. I cut about 15 minutes of me ranting about the present state of Major League Baseball from the end of Carrie's. Uh, from Carrie's, I know you guys got into it. We did, yeah. we did. And she, she's a, more, a little more of a rational fan of me and, and more able to accept the changes that I will not accept. For instance, uh, pitch counts. Pitch counts. Pitchers unable to throw. Oh yes, that's one of your. Pet you know, and I, okay. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go ahead since I don't have Carrie here to shoot me down. I'm just gonna say <laughs> that I do have a problem with why big, strong guys like Steven Strasburg can't throw 290 innings like Tom Seaver. And don't tell me it's because they throw 100 miles an hour. Tom Seaver threw 100 miles an hour. They didn't have the sophisticated equipment to measure that after every pitch. But you know what? What threw 100? He threw 100 miles an hour when he needed to, maybe 10, 11 times a game. Uh huh. This okay. is the difference in philosophy. Now they just say you throw 100 miles an hour, go just out there and do that for five innings. Bring the heat, meat, don't learn or whatever. I don't know. Who's the meat in the baseball scenario? That was um, that was something that, unfortunately, uh, a generation of high school and college baseball players heard in, um, in Bull Durham in Bull Durham and started mm -hmm. calling each other. This is where meat is just like kind meat, of meathead, just like meat. I guess, yeah, yeah. like yeah, okay. nice shoes, meat. So it's okay. kind of funny. It is, Maybe we should start calling funny. people meat. That'd be kind of... I don't know. At our age? What kind of meat? What up, meat? You know, I still sometimes <laughs> call people chief, like Dan Carley did back in the 20s. You do? Sometimes I'll I forget. I always like, hated... Sorry, I like Carly. chief. What would, what would you go like, with instead I just of never chief? Liked, I, it's so insulting. It is very insulting. I know chief. that's why I didn't like anybody calling me chief, but I I did like well, just like enough. Well, because they called you chief, 
they were doing it for a reason. I know. And first of all, Larry, we don't use that term anymore. Oh, that's we're, right. So come on. 21st century. <laughs> welcome to it. Okay. So I don't know. But yeah, no, Chief, no good. Meat, no uh, good. Uh, pal? Bro is definitely bro, no good. Bro, yeah. But bro um, is probably the most widespread one now. Yeah. Skipper? Slip Dan, remember Skipper. Dan experimented with Skipper for a while. What's up, Skipper? Nice slacks, Skipper. Like, yeah, slacks was something that... That was their thing, and they were referring uh, to shorts. I know. I Well, shorts were pretty long in the 90s. Well, actually, they were short, then they got really long. Yeah, they went all over the place. Yeah. Now they're back. You know, they're like seven-inch shorts, five-inch shorts. Uh, well, I'm still partial to the nines and You're wearing them right now. Eights. I'm not looking in your direction just because uh, of this. So. <laughs> no, I'm not, but I do have some sevens packed in my bag to, oh. to work out in, yeah. Dang, you might lose something there. Nope. 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 Okay. <laughs> nope. All uh, right. But we're getting too far into my choices here. Okay. And, uh, we're Are you gonna wrap your slip sandals with those shorts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna call them slip sandals. I'm gonna continue okay. calling them slides as God intended me to do. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna wrap this up here, episode ten of the Story Forward podcast, season three or four. Yeah, did stories. we mention both our guest names yet from the outro. world? Of sports. We have yeah. not. Why don't you do that now? Carrie Seymour, friend. Seymour, 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 Seymour. And yes. Um, very literate, literate woman. A very literate woman. Professor Carrie Seymour. We had two professors. We did. PSU Strong here. And Professor Greg Heinzman. Yes. They're in different departments, but they both always wear their Bronco slip sandals to class. <laughs> With their slacks. Uh, let me ask you this, uh, Christian Wynn. Yes. How many guests did we have on this week that you have personally played sports with? Um. Well, the one we unfortunately had to... Uh, I can now know, say one. I played I'd with say one. two. I've played, definitely played, bas- well, gosh. Did you play basketball with Greg Heinzman? Greg Hahn, I did. Greg oh, yeah. Heinzman and I, that's, that's, this is a good question because we talk about sports all the time, or at least have over the years, and we always claim we can beat each other at basketball, but we've actually never played basketball against each other. I just, uh, hmm. I, in my dreams, maybe, I've taken him to the rack, but... Uh, I see his game is involving a lot of contact. He's got a, well... Doesn't he seem like he'd take a charge? Oh, man. That, well, yeah. He, I mean, at uh, Gonzaga Basketball Camp, he probably learned to move his feet. That's right. And you get in to take a charge. Come on, Heinzman. <laughs> he said he was a sixth man, too, uh, until that oh, unfortunate yeah. coaching experience Oof. that he had. I know, but no, Kerry Seymour and I played cards against each other. We played Trivial Pursuit against each other. I don't mean just this episode. Oh, it seems this like whole season. During the long and story Brad history Olson? of the Story Forward podcast there's been a lot of guys guys who come on here and you're like oh yeah we played basketball i knew him from playing basketball yeah uh, or golf. Those two guys, uh, Taylor and uh, God, he's a good golfer. I had to. He's had the, yeah. Uh, experience playing golf with him yesterday, <laughs> yesterday in the rain, in the cold kind of, yeah. rain. But you lost your glasses. He knocked him off. Your, he, it was he's one of those golfers who came up to you and like knocked your glasses off. So. Called me a name. Yeah. yeah. No. No. He was busy hitting like a drive that I would have killed for that he was disgusted by and that made my glasses fly off. <laughs> it might be <laughs> cartoon <happened>. style. Yeah. <laughs> Zoinks. Um, All right. I don't know how many people. I think it's quite a few. Against. I think you could assemble a pretty competitive team of people that you've played basketball That's with true. who have been on our podcast, which is one of the 
great things about but living you in the too, same place maybe for 30 like years. David Barr. Well, he wasn't on this one. Uh, unless you count fake baseball. Yes, he was. He told Little League stories. Oh, he did. He came back to tell yep. the, uh, oh, that was a beauty right there. Uh, and as now we have had two members of the fake baseball league come on the podcast because Tim Kelly came on mm -hmm. last time. I know. How's how are you doing right now? Oh that? my god, my team. I mean, you guys play year round, so you're not just in season. My team is so bad. You are the which year? It's so. 1957. Okay. I'm the Chicago Outfit. That's my team name. The Outfit. That's yeah. your problem right there. It's pretty sweet. It's a pretty rough name. Yeah, actually, and, and Sam Giancana is one of our our. He's our controlling partner. Okay. And he actually fired me a couple games ago because I wasn't playing Gino Chamoli enough, and so he took over. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Reflected in my write-up of our last win. Yeah, yeah, you guys are crazy. We are a little crazy, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it keeps us sane. It, that's the ironic part. Let's thank some people before we get out of here. Okay. Top of the list, Brett Battistain. Ah, oh, just music to my ears. I know. And you know, Battistain. it's a Basque name, Battistain. I've heard that. Yeah. It's a Basque name. Probably mm -hmm. eats a lot of lamb. Lots of lamb, that guy. Uh, let's say if you wanted to interact with us, Yep. You could do it in a variety of ways. First, you go to the uh, Story Forward Facebook page. Who's on that the most? Mike Medeiros is on that most. Okay. My old college buddy who probably shares, he's probably listening right now going, you know, Rosen's right. Why isn't Santa Clara better? Why is Gonzaga <laughs> good and we're not good? It's yeah. a problem. Why is St. Mary's good? You know, I thought Loyola had their moment in the sun too. They did. I know. So they, it's a tragic moment in the sun, but a moment in the sun nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, so you can go there. And talk to us. And Mike's awesome. He posts pictures. Um, of you? No, of okay. himself playing Little League. And, <laughs> okay. pitch, and his oh, pitch yeah, back. I saw that. Did yeah. you see the pitch back? Because I had a pitch back. Did you have one of those? It I was had awesome. the spring-loaded yep, thing. You could yep. just play yep. baseball by yourself all day. It was for lonely kids. <laughs> <It's> like, <yeah. laughs> or you can go to uh, the... Uh, uh, Instagram. Instagram story forward. Story dot forward. I think it's just story forward. I think it's story dot forward. We've been doing well, this now for three and a half years. Dot, we can't even agree on our, uh, our... Is there an underscore? No, there's no, a dot. There's, there's a, a dot. dot. I'm okay. pretty sure of it. Twitter, same thing. Story dot forward. Okay. Uh, me, I got a little Twitter, but I, you know what? I don't post anymore. So, you stopped? I haven't been. Man. I do the Instagram. Yeah. That Larry Rosen. Same I've seen a lot of that. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, apocalypse, like apocalypse videos. Three years, we're three years into the apocalypse now, and the videos still, keep coming. I know. I think we're in the, for long haul. Yeah, here, it's a long-term apocalypse. <laughs> it seems you know, to at be. some point the world has to actually end, or it's not the apocalypse. I know. Then nobody sees your videos anymore. Right, which is too depressing to think of. Yeah. What about you? Uh, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, well, I do have a website that I update occasionally. Every really every, Christian. Dot win. Mm. Dot, well, wait, christianwin.com. Excuse me, christian.win is my Gmail if you wanted to send me a Gmail account. <laughs> so that's cool. Venmo, Christian. No, I won't say that one. It's but. spelled W I N N, but it's pronounced Renukowitz. <laughs> Renukowitz, yes. <laughs> Which is a Kids in the Hall reference. A I really believe. old, like yeah. a 30 year old. And they brought them back. Can you and, believe that? Yeah. It's going to be a wild card. I, haven't, I can't watch it. I watched the first couple episodes and it was all about how old they are. So it's like, well, that's well, no, that's not funny. I get it. We're all old. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up. I know. Uh, who do we want to thank besides Brett Battistain? Brett Battistain, uh, our listeners, of course. Uh, who do we usually thank? We uh, want to thank Nikki Mustard for the artwork and the great 
theme music in there, you know, for the intro outro we've been hearing from uh, Cigarette Speedway. Heck yeah. And of course, we want to thank Carrie and one of the Gregs and the other Greg. We can thank, and, yeah, we can thank Greg, Greg Hahn, Hahn, who put in the effort and sadly never got to see it come to fruition. I know. We left him there on the blue turf. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. It was a Boise State <laughs> story. You can just ask him um, to show up to an event sometime around town he'll be there he'll be there he can tell you what was that story that we didn't get to hear that's about it for us for this episode uh, we leave you with this thought keep the move wait <laughs> keep the movie story forwarding keep the move storying forward what no. We, no wait I, keep this the is story like, moving forward forward we'll do that mm-hmm.